When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Campbell. And today I've got the wonderful Nicole Haddo on the show, who we first interviewed way back in 2019. Nicole's the author of Smashed Avocado about her journey to home ownership, The Ethical Investor, and the recently published Couple Goals, a guide to building a strong financial future and an even better relationship. In today's conversation, we're talking to Nicole about how she navigated her money journey within a new relationship, and she shares all those details that usually people keep behind closed doors, which is really exciting to talk about. Whether you're in a relationship or planning to be in the future, this conversation is full of useful tips and ideas to help you deal with the challenging topic of money in a relationship. Let's dive in. Nicole, thank you so much for coming in and joining me on the Finance Podcast today. Kate, thank you so much for having me back after quite a while. <laughs> yeah, you've had a, a whirlwind journey since we last spoke. It has been a little bit wild, You've yes. started investing, you've moved to the country, you've started a new relationship, you've merged finances. It, it's It's been, a, <laughs> considering we had a pandemic in there, I've got a lot done. Oh, yeah, and COVID <laughs> happened too. Yeah, yeah. A lot to update on. <laughs> now, the reason we wanted to chat today is because you've just released a new book called Couple Goals, which is really interesting because as far as I know, there's not many books in Australia that talk about the topic of money and relationships. And we know it's an important topic. We know it's a reason that people split up, they get divorced, they break up. It's the reason why couples fight. So it's something that I'm really glad we're having more of a conversation about. Now, you've been in the space talking about money, investing, home ownership for quite a while, and you entered a relationship 
after you'd already started that journey. Did that make it easier to start having that conversation about money in your new relationship? It certainly made it easier to bring up the subject of money. I have I have no issue bringing up the subject of money, you know, in, in any situation. Uh, but it certainly was something that was challenging for me in the respect that this was a romantic relationship. And, you know, you quite often don't want to be bringing up you know, the subject of money because it can be really jarring. You know, we're really happy, we're hanging out, we're having fun. Um, you, you don't want to leap into questions about, you know, wealth projections and <laughs> how, super insurance. how much your partner makes and super and insurance and do you have a will. Like it's not the sort of thing that you, that you want to bring up straight away. But um, I realise these, these conversations were really important for us to be having early, particularly because we were quite unique in the respect that we met and moved in together very quickly um, and I had, I had an asset. Uh, so there was a lot to discuss around, you know, some of those things first and foremost, you know, how we were going to be splitting costs and then second, secondly, you know, what does this look like in terms of the house? Um so that was definitely uncharted terrain uh, and something that I was definitely learning about on the fly. Now, most people don't really want to share conversations that they've had with their partner, especially about money in public. And you have kindly done so through your book and today on the show. So I was wondering if you could take us through some of the key moments in your relationship where money was involved, maybe just starting from the very first conversation you had with money to the moving in together conversation. That'd be really interesting to hear more about. So the first conversations about money actually happen really naturally because you, you're um, you're having discussions about who's going to, you know, who's going to pay for dinner or who's going to pay for the movie ticket. You know, those conversations really do happen quite naturally. Um, but then the questions around moving in together and how bills are split uh, becomes you know, a little bit more challenging in our case, because we did move in together quickly, we really did just put everything on the table. Um, the first conversation was essentially me explaining to Sam, who's now my husband, um, that we, you know, that I had a mortgage and that, you know, this asset was something that was really important to me and, and being really clear about my need to protect that. Uh, and he was great. He said he would sign anything that um, you know, helped me protect my rights. But at the same time, he was very generous in, in his commitment to coming in and helping me to renovate. So there was lots for us to discuss, but it wasn't until he moved in that we actually went out for dinner and sat down and put all of our finances on the table, which again was probably quicker than most people just because we'd moved, moved in together so fast. But we really didn't muck around about, you know, being transparent. Mm. So did you plan this as sort of a date night? You gave each other advance warning this was happening and you brought all your documents to share all the numbers? Absolutely. So I I said, you know, I'm going to explain to you, you know, what the mortgage costs, things like council rates, all of that sort of thing. I want you to be able to explain to me what your financial position is so that we're both really clear on where we stand uh, and and. I think we discussed it on a Monday um, and we went out to dinner on the Thursday night. So we had a couple of days to prepare. Um, he didn't come home and I didn't put a spreadsheet in front of him and, and ask him to start talking about money. So um, that that preparation time was, was really important. We both knew it was coming uh, so that we could prepare adequately. Mm. And at the beginning of your relationship, how did you start to work out if you had the same values about money and had the similar priorities? So, again, that was probably something that I would have, in hindsight, talk to him about sooner, the, the idea of values as opposed to the, talking just about money itself. Um, it, it, it transpired that we really did have 
quite a bit in common in, t- in terms of our values. Sam saw what I was doing with this renovator's delight mm. uh, and wanted to come in and wanted to work with me and, and we, you know, we both have a, a passion for for property and, and you know, restoration of homes. Um, security was probably far more important to me um, than it was was to Sam. He, he would be just as happy to 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 rent and, um, you know, go with the flow. So we had to have some conversations around that. Uh, and that that takes time. But when you know the sort of subjects you should be bringing up in terms of addressing values and financial compatibility, you can potentially do it a lot quicker. Because mm, it's interesting because you merge finances for the first time at 39, which is, I guess, I don't know what society standards are, but um, it's a little bit further on where you already have some assets, you have your own values, you have your own goals you're working towards. Do you think that made it a little bit more tricky coming together than say if you were at uni with just some hex debt and maybe a thousand dollars in the bank? Absolutely. I, I'm completely aware that 39 probably seems quite old to be merging finances for the first time. I'd you know, I'd gone out and I'd I'd lived a full life and I'd travelled and and I was very much in the in the headspace that you know, I'm on my own and I'm preparing for my fa- financial future by myself. And then, of course, I get to that point and, and you know, I meet a lovely bloke. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was challenging because I think if you meet younger, you're more likely to be on some kind of even playing field. Um, the, the chances of one of one of you having a significant asset is, is potentially lower. Uh, so we did have to have really, really difficult conversations about the fact that I had secured this asset uh, and that we did need to work out how we were going to work together, um, and you know, I was really clear that there was there was some risk for for me um, in doing this, but there was also risk for Sam. There was there were challenges for both of us, um, and I think the idea that the person with the asset is just naturally in the better position is just not the case because I felt really uncomfortable, and I, I was really perhaps almost overcompensating to make sure that you know Sam felt like an equal and there was a lot of trial and error to get to a place that we did genuinely feel like we were equals. Mm. Were there any particular questions or conversations you had that helped come to that more equal playing field point even though you're coming in with different assets different incomes where you could get to a point where you were both contributing and it felt it felt more even? It was a really unusual circumstance because when, when Sam moved in, he was really upfront with me and he said, look, I've got, I've got a little bit of debt and I, I'd, I'd like to clear that debt. And I was like, great, I would mm. love you to clear that debt too. Um, and so for the first few months, I continued to pay the mortgage and he paid down his debt. But because he wasn't contributing financially, he was doing a lot of physical labour in the house, um, which in my mind was equal but it still definitely wasn't. And we had a couple of arguments um, that led to us getting to the point where, um, A, I made sure that he had access to some accounts um, and then when he did start contributing financially, it, it naturally got, you know, a little bit easier. Um, but also actually going out and getting financial advice um, as to how we should best manage as a couple uh, was, was what we ultimately had to do. And that's another interesting point to discuss, one person coming in with some debt because that's very common and we don't talk about it. But how did you two navigate that situation? So I think I'm really lucky because Sam was really open and, and honest about that, that debt with sign. me, which is a really good sign. Um, and I, I would never have written someone off because, you know, they they had a couple of thousand dollars on a, on a credit card because I had been in that position. Mm. I know what it's like to have debt. I also know what it's like to want to get out of it. Um, so the fact that he was wanting to make proactive steps to get rid of it and, and had no intention of going into further debt, that was definitely the, 
you know, the, the first step. Um, but, you know, just just having that mindset of going, okay, we're, we're going into a committed relationship, we're going to be working as a team, um, what do we need to to get ourselves into a good position? And, and the first, first step was getting rid of any consumer debt. Yeah, so you were able to help each other on that goal. So even though it was he came in with the debt, you were both able to sort of work towards paying that off even though you weren't directly putting your money into that debt. Absolutely, because it was going to benefit both of us in the long run if, if he wasn't carrying carrying that that debt with him. So, um, yeah, as I say, I think obviously it's going to depend on each each individual, but I think there there are lots of people that people, lots of reasons that people might be carrying some debt um, and having some, some empathy and some kindness around that rather than just shutting it down is probably the first step um, and, and, you know, helping each other work to get to a stronger position, um, you know, is potentially going to be beneficial. Did you have a trial period in the lead up to combining finances? Because that's quite scary. I think most people listening, if they are going into a relationship with some assets, it does seem quite confronting to suddenly be merging finances. Did you test the waters a bit? Absolutely. It was it was definitely step by step. Um, and so the first step was actually the first the first thing I did was I set up um, a, a little shared saving account, and we were putting in twenty five dollars each a week, and that was purely just for us to get in the habit mm. of contributing to shared savings together. Starting with a really small step. It, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a sum that was going to have a massive impact on each of us. But we got really excited about that $25 yeah. a week. We'd look forward to putting that money away. Uh, and it got to the point where we had, you know, thousands of dollars there. Um, then we obviously went to, um, you know, shared groceries and, and you know, shared costs that were important. Um, but Ultimately, the, the more significant joint banking um, came quite a long way down the track. And part of that was a lot of me being aware that, you know, because I had bought the house um, and because I had refinanced the property to get some money for the renovation, there were some sums of money there that I needed to be absolutely certain that I was in a secure relationship, um, a healthy, secure relationship before I shared access to those accounts. Um, so, so that took time for me mentally. Mm. And I think a big part of that was that I'd been financially independent for such a long time before we got together. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be quite a mental challenge to overcome if it's just been you working hard, saving every hundred dollars in that bank account, and then suddenly it becoming a shared asset. There'd be a lot of sort of mental things to work through rather than just the physical Oh, it's now a shared bank account. It, it was a huge mental thing. And that that's, that's why, you know, over the course of, of, working on this book, I have really have addressed not just money, but the emotions and the psychology around what happens when you are in a relationship dealing with, with money, because there's just, there's, there's just so much emotion for both individuals, potentially, depending on the experiences that they've had growing up. Yeah. And I think we've done some podcast episodes before, especially with Karen Ely, about understanding your money story and your relationship with money and how those discussions with your significant other can really help you understand where you're both coming from and the language you're using to talk about money because often we come at it from completely different perspectives and money means different things. Like money for me might mean independence and for someone else it might mean security and that might cause a clash. When we talk about money and relationships and the research shows that it's often a source of conflict, how did you approach any money conflicts and how did you sort of handle them? Do you, do you have a discussion? Is it something you took a break and came back to? Look, we definitely didn't handle things perfectly. Um, I think 
knowing what we know now, we we definitely would have um, probably had s- some of the important conversations that we needed to have sooner. Um, I think knowing that conflict is inevitable and not shying away from it is really important. Knowing how to manage conflict in a healthy way because not fighting is not necessarily a sign that everything is great. When you're not fighting and when you're not having passionate discussions, (laughs) um, you are potentially not talking about really important things that need to be addressed and that can lead to resentment and challenges later down the track. So, So knowing that you need to have these conversations and not shying away from difficult conversations and, and, you know, almost saying beforehand, I know we're about to have a really intense conversation about X, Y, Z. If we need to walk away, let's do that and let's come back to it after an hour or so. Um, because, yeah, we, we had a couple of ugly fights along the way um, and we're, we're definitely getting better at that now. But I don't think um, it's a surprise that we are fighting far less now that we f- both feel like we're equal players in our financial relationship. Does a particular scenario come to mind where you did have to resolve a, a money conflict? Mm. So... The one that springs to mind and and the one that I've written about was actually a fight over a blanket. (laughs) I recall that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it it seemed ridiculous at the time that we were fighting over this blanket Um, and essentially in a very brief um, summary for your listeners, what happened was we had had our floors sanded and polished and we were putting the room back together after that part of the renovation and I put my blanket back on the couch and I didn't put Sam's blanket back on the couch. And, you know, that's a big deal, not least because Ballarat is a very cold place <laughs> and you probably, <laughs> you would be you probably, you probably do need both blankets. Um, but uh, the room was mostly full of my furniture and he felt like that one thing that was his in the room that wasn't in the room, you know, was showing a, a bigger sign of it still feeling like my house and not mm. his. Um, so there was a lot that we had to work through in because I had said to him, you know, I want you to feel like this is your home, but that's not an instant thing. Yeah. And especially because you were the one that sort of lovingly chose it and had started the renovation by exactly, yourself. Exactly, exactly. So um, that was a significant fight. That that was a fight about um that was real. That was really a fight about us feeling equal, um, and but you know what I say in the book is often the fight about money, whatever the money fight is, is not about the money itself. It's as you say, it's about a value. It's about someone feeling like there's a threat to their security, mm. or someone feeling like they're not working towards enough financial freedom, or someone wanting more f- flexibility in their life, which potentially means you know quitting a secure full time job and and going out and being a freelancer or starting their own business. So you've really got to get to the core of what the fight is about, because it's it's not just the dollar and dollars and cents. It's it's whatever's happening for you emotionally. Mm, that's really interesting and it's kind of a, a different dynamic because you had to deal with the fact that you were letting someone into your life and the the house you'd chosen and worked hard towards buying and then on the other side the person moving in is is moving into something that's already been chosen by someone else and it's sort of how do you get to the point where you both feel like it's yours and that's exactly it you know I, I'd been working for for 10 years to get to this point, to, to get to this dream of having a freestanding house. I was so passionate about it. Um, and of course, well, I was really happy to have found a fabulous man and very grateful for his renovation skills. Um, <laughs> that was a good side. He, 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 he did, you know, he was doing a lot of really hard work mm. and, and um, you know, we really were 
for the most part, working really well as a team. Um, but making sure that we both felt like it was ours equally um, was something that did take time. Yeah. Another thing that a lot of people in newer relationships have questions about is splitting expenses because you could just, everyone just pays for their own. You just have everything. Maybe you alternate. Some people will split based off income. So if someone has a high income, they'll pay a higher portion of of the bills, of the rent, of the mortgage. How did you approach that conversation? So that was that was something that was a real challenge for me as well because I knew that at that point in time splitting costs 50-50 actually wouldn't have been fair mm. because we didn't have the same income. Um, so we had to work out what that looked like and and in our circumstances initially it, it was me paying more while Sam took on more of the labour. Um, so not everything in terms of what we were contributing to the relationship was strictly financial. Um, so that, that was what was the case in our relationship. It will depend on your relationship, but it was very quickly evident to me that a 50-50 split when there is an earning discrepancy is not necessarily going to be the best option. Um, And again, there was was a lot of trial and error, Um, but ultimately where we are now is a case of making sure that both of us are contributing, um, things are automated so there's not mental load stuff happening. and that we're not having to sit down and go, well, you owe me $30 or, you know, yeah. um, this bill's overdue and how are we going to pay for it? It's, we have set up a system that takes away a lot of those little frustrations. And that's worth noting as well that not all the contributions to the relationship have to be financial. Maybe someone has more time to work on the renovation or to handle certain admin tasks of the home than the other person. And that is also a really important contribution as well. Mm, I think seeing the other person's value um, in in all the ways they contribute to the relationship is really important because if a couple goes on to have children, the person who is staying at home and raising those children is doing a really important, valuable job that enables the other person to go out and keep working. Um, So the idea that the person doing the earning is is the one bringing in the most is is potentially really short-sighted and potentially going to create challenges in your relationship. Now, not every time can people get what they want in a relationship. Like there's a lot of conversations. Were there any situation where you had to compromise on something that you really wanted to, for the benefit of the relationship? Um, We were very fortunate in the respect that most of the things that we wanted we both wanted. Um, the challenge was more the order in which we got those things because you can't have everything at once. And I think you've talked about this a lot. You can't say oh, we're going to do, you know, a head-to-toe renovation, we're going to get married, we're going to go on an international holiday and we're, and then and then we're going to start, you know, all in the next 12 putting months. children into private schools. You, you, can't, you can't do all of those yeah. things at once. So in our case, we got married, again, we got married quite quickly because we started planning an engagement party and then decided just to throw in a ceremony, um, which is, not, again, not what most people would do. Um, but having that wedding... Keeps costs down, I assume. It, it did keep costs down, um, but it still wasn't, you know, it still did cost us money mm. to have a wedding. Um, and it meant putting off other parts of our renovation. And it meant um, taking a 48-hour honeymoon six months later. Um, it, it, it meant trade-offs. Mm. Um and it meant having to have those conversations about what the trade-offs were. 
Why do you think, based off the research you've done for couple goals in your own experience, that we find it so hard to have money conversations, even though they can be really beneficial for our relationship? Oh gosh, there's 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 so much there, Kate. There's there's a lot of um, potential hi- history and and shame. So I know I know in my experience, it took me a long time to get comfortable talking about money because when I was in debt, there was so much shame attached to that. Mm. I didn't want to have to admit that I'd you know really stuffed up and spent my twenties spending money that I shouldn't have spent. Um, it's a really delicate conversation. It can also potentially lead to conflict um, and a lot of people will shy away from conflict. So, again, I completely understand that because I don't like conflict but the problem is if you don't deal with things and you let them fester or you ignore them for a long period of time, then, you know, you are potentially doing yourselves a disservice as a couple. Um, but the other thing that I'd say if, if people are like, oh, I just I, I, can't bring up our financial future with my partner for whatever reason. If you can flip it around and start talking about hopes and dreams and aspirations and things that you're excited about together, that's a really good way to frame the conversation um, and and normalise it a little bit. So having really good conversations about goals is a good place to start. Is there any other strategies? So if someone listening wants to have a conversation about money with their partner, maybe they're thinking about moving in together, but they haven't really discussed finances before. Maybe they're just splitting everything. How would they start that conversation? So it's obviously it's going to depend on 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 each couple, yeah. but I'd I'd be looking at um, some of your upcoming milestones. Um, you know, if if you're moving in together and one of you say wants to have children, ask the question about children. You know, if if you're wanting to have children, um, you know, when when what sort of timeline are you are you thinking, and and how might we go about funding that because children aren't free. Um, if if you are moving in together into a, a rental, but you, you have really strong aspirations to buy a house, start talking about you know what kind of house would we like, where would we like to live. Um, you know, with, with our incomes in the next couple of years, wh- where can we afford to potentially buy? What kind of deposit do we need? Um, really kind of just normalising that conversation day to day um, and not having a, a big intense conversation about saving a house deposit and then not discussing it again. Yeah. Um, so just getting in the habit of, of making it a regular part of your conversation uh, makes it a lot easier. Yeah, so small and regular moments of communication about money instead of saving it up for one one conversation little, a year. Little bite-sized chunks makes it a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, most of us only want to tackle our finances in little bite-sized chunks. It's, it's too overwhelming if you want to just sort out your investments, your super, your will, your insurance all in one day. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're going to dedita- dedicate a whole weekend to that, that's not a very fun weekend. So so definitely chipping away at things, you know, one at a time is, is a good way to go. Mm. And especially a lot of those things like saving up for a house or saving up to have kids, they'll take multiple years of planning and saving. So you do need to start these conversations earlier because if you only start them three years later, you might not have the time to save up and think about it. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that that I've kind of come to realise is, is the best asset that you have is actually nothing to do with money at all. It is time. It's time, but it's also conversation. So it's about having a conversation um, and having that conversation regularly, not getting to the point where, you know, <laughs> your partner's about to give birth and going, oh, how are we, we going to bankroll the next 12 months? You know, mm. you need to be having these conversations in advance. Yeah. 
And how did you think about protecting yourself financially? Because that's you've mentioned the word security. And a lot of people, if they're coming in with assets, they'd be thinking, am I going to be at a disadvantage? Um, is there a potential that I could lose something that I've worked so hard for? Did you consider that the aspect of your own protecting what you'd earned and I, saved? I absolutely did. Um, and the the challenge that I faced was Sam and I did have an agreement, but it, it wasn't legally binding. Was um, it just sort of a, a written doc th- document? It, yeah, that you a, a written agreement yeah. that this is this is what will happen if if things don't work mm-hmm. out. Um, and I, I placed a lot of faith and trust in in that. Um, but what I think is a huge challenge for any other couple who's in the same scenario as us is what I think is the best solution is a binding financial agreement, something that is legally binding. The challenge there is that it's really expensive. Um, you know, we were, we were looking at sort of $10,000 for a binding financial agreement plus independent legal advice for both of us. That's a huge, huge spend. And I think it's a real shame that there's not something that's more accessible for mm. couples where one person has an asset and the other person doesn't. Um, so, yes, I I thought a great deal about it. Um there are financial limitations to to getting it all locked mm. and loaded legally. Um, so I, I definitely took a risk and I'm, I know that I took a risk there. Yeah. Well, it is quite interesting. We've spoken to a few lawyers on the show in the past who have spoken about the cost and the time and all of the sort of the complexities of getting a binding financial agreement. And though it's sort of good to have that process available. It is quite out of reach for a lot of people. And also financial advice is out of reach for a lot of people. And that's probably also something I wanted to ask you about because you went to a financial advisor together. That's quite an interesting process as well. Mm, so so while we didn't have a binding financial agreement, we did invest in um, tailored financial advice. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's probably... Maybe it's something that people don't realise. It's 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 really common. Financial advisors often are working with couples um, because they can give them that end-to-end um, support in terms of how their banking is structured, whether their insurance is in place, whether their super is set up appropriately, whether the beneficiaries are all all in line um, and, you know, also then recommendations around um, estate planning as well. Um and that was that was the probably the best investment that we have have made for our relationship. Um, you know, it's far more enduring than 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 a wedding day is. Yeah, getting that stuff set up. What sort of things did going to see a financial advisor together help you with? It was it was really quite incredible because the the first couple of sessions were really like couples counselling, um, <laughs> which we weren't <laughs> expecting. We were yep. expecting to go in and 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 have our financial Rebecca advisor say, right, this is what you need to do. Yep, Here are the documents. The see you later. <laughs> Uh, instead, she was she was like, so so what do you, what do you guys want out of the future? What what would you like to achieve? What does your what does your you know basic situation look like now? What is your dream? Um, what would you like to see change? Uh, and there were, there were a lot of conversations that that then created new conversations for Sam and I to to, to be having together. Uh, so it took quite a while for us to get to the point where we were starting to talk numbers, which really surprised me. But it meant that 
when we did start to talk numbers, we'd had enough time to say, yep, we are absolutely on the same page about this. Mm. And it's good to have a third person that's independent sometimes to to look in and go, okay, this isn't possible to do all these things this year, but if we maybe reprioritise them based off what you've said your values are, this is how you can approach them. It's, it also means that both people are getting an equal opportunity to speak. What I noticed in our situation is I'm I'm the talker. <laughs> so I was doing a lot more of the talking yeah. and then Rebecca would actually stop and say, and Sam, what do you think? You yeah. know, And make sure that Sam had a voice because both people should have a voice Re- regardless yeah. of who's bringing in the income. Um, both people need to have a voice and both people need to be on the same page about where they're going if, if they want to be engaged in the process long term. Yeah, because we often have listeners write in to say that they're very interested in taking control of their their finances and starting to budget and invest, but they can't get their significant other on board and they're, they're trying, they're trying to send podcasts or get them involved, but maybe a financial advisor is one way to, to broach that conversation a little bit differently because you can both have the conversation facilitated for you. I think having the conversation facilitated is really powerful because it, it takes the pressure off both of you as individuals to come up with the answers on your own. You've got a professional guiding you um, and you've got the, the security of knowing that that person, you know, has has your best interests at heart. Mm. Were there any other things that you had to think about coming into this relationship, getting married, maybe like did you change your will or anything like that? So we definitely, um, will is still in progress if I'm if I'm honest. Um, as I say, you can't do everything at once, but will is definitely in progress. Um, insurance was a huge thing. So making sure that our insurance was, was, was adequate. Um, and that was something that was really interesting for, for both of us because it was like, oh, insurance, another expense. But, you know, the way we structured it and what that insurance does in the event that anything goes wrong is really, really powerful stuff. So a lot of people will really resent, you know, um, TPD or life insurance costs, um, especially when they're young. But actually getting them when you're young is really beneficial because, you know, as you get older, there are more, there are higher premiums potentially because you've got things that are preventing you from having the ideal insurance. So insurance was probably the big one for us. Um, feels like a little bit of a grudge spend sometimes, but when when things do go wrong, um, you know, and we all hope that nothing will go wrong, but life, you know, life throws us curveballs, knowing that we've got insurance was a really important one. Mm, and doing that together, you would have been out, both able to get super clear on what insurances each other had. And so if anything did happen, you know what sort of assets and what protections you have in place. Mm, absolutely. And and knowing that um, particularly if one person's not working, um, that that we would have the security of a home um, was was the was the big one for us. Now hindsight's always 2020, but if you could go back to the start of the relationship, would there be anything you would change about the way you engage with money in in the relationship together? Oh, look, I think we probably would have looked at the financial advice process even sooner um, because there was so much debate over how to set up our banking. Um, You know, we didn't want everything to go all in. We wanted some autonomy. Um, It was really important that we both still had our own money that we could spend, but the actual administration of Mm. transferring money around all the time was a massive pain. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, and and often and often a, a point of contention. You know, have you put the money in X, or what about this? And this needs to be paid. All of those conversations are really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so having having the the banking structure that broadly we do not even think about the you know the money goes to where it needs to go the direct debits are set up we have our little cut that we both get each week if one of us goes out that's our cut that's what we're spending mm. all of all of the money is set up in a way that means we don't argue about where it's coming from or where it's going yeah so getting clarity earlier on on the inputs and the outputs and where how things are set up and also having your own spending accounts that do you, you don't have access to? We don't have access to okay. our. We don't each have access yeah. to each other's individual um, accounts, okay. and that's really important for our personal autonomy. You you want to be able to go and you know buy a coffee or go out for brunch or you know do whatever you want to do that is part of your identity without having to consult another person. Um, but at the same time, the the main thing that came out of that financial advice process was actually setting up a cash flow, so we knew how much was coming in. And we knew how much was going out and we knew what our surplus was that we could put towards various goals, which are also automated. Uh, and and we knew how much was left for us to go and spend freely on our own w- without our goals suffering in the process. Yeah. Did you put any sort of rules of thumb in place that if you spent over 200 from the joint account, you would discuss that first or something like that? Ab- absolutely. Uh, so if there's if there's a, a big expense coming out of, of the joint account, that's absolutely a conversation. Um, and, and that can be things like Christmas presents. Um, you know, I know we're having this discussion early in the year, um, which is why we now also have a fund set up for what we call generosity, which yeah. means we, we have money put aside if there's a big expense for a gift. So in theory... Big unexpected expenses shouldn't come out of that joint bank account. They should be coming out of where we've allocated those expenses from. Uh, but absolutely, there's not, there's never a point where one of us would go out and blow a large sum of money. If I come home this afternoon and Sam's bought a new TV, there's going to be a conversation. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully he hasn't. <laughs> maybe he found it on Gumtree. Maybe, All maybe. Right, $50 bargain. <laughs> we'll see. So, Nicole, we've covered a lot in today's conversation, but if you had to leave listeners with one takeaway from everything you've learned about money and relationships, what would that be? Honestly, the the most surprising thing and the most common thing that came out of my conversations um, throughout the course of writing the book was to have difficult conversations, to not put them off, to talk about, you know, your financial future together. And and as I said, it doesn't need to be a big dramatic conversation, small bite-sized chunks uh, about small issues and normalising conversations around money is going to be actually really good for your relationship. It brings you closer if you're having those conversations rather than ignoring them. Wonderful. Well, Nicole's book, Couple Goals, is excellent. You can grab a copy on Booktopia, probably at your local bookstore if you've been in there recently, always a good place to go. And Nicole, if people want to learn more about you and follow along with your renovation journey that uh, if people have read Smashed Avocado, they'll have heard a little bit about your journey into property. Where should they go? Look, the, the best place you can find me if you want to look at our, our renovation, which is very much a work in progress, is uh, is my Instagram, Nicole Haddo. Um, I have a website, NicoleHaddo.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. <laughs> nice and easy. I'll link it all in the show notes. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Kate. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest, and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.